Welcome to Change the Narrative. I'm your host, J.D. Fuller, an African-American, licensed psychotherapist, professor, diversity coach, consultant, and author. We talk about the isms. We talk about the phobias, anything that marginalizes and oppresses. Everything we are not and everything we are is because of fear. Through a mental health lens, we'll have difficult conversations with celebrity guests, political activists, and everyone in between. Our mind will tell us whatever we want to believe, but the truth lives in the body, and that's where change occurs. Are you ready to change the Welcome narrative? Back. And thank you, thank you. Much more to explore. So I want to dive a little bit into your social media. It's funny because mm-hmm. you post things that, you know, particularly clinicians of the global majority, but hopefully most clinicians, it pops in their mind and they reflect on it. And I appreciate it. And it's not a lengthy diatribe. It's just just those quick thoughts, which I just think is so smart. And you look at how people are stigmatized. You look at how people have been pathologized and then you throw it back in the face of the clinician, which I think is, again, super smart. So one of your social media posts, yeah, (laughs) it invited social workers to reflect on where you've been, no, where you were, right? I'm saying Mm -hmm. you're wrong. Where have you been, okay? Mm -hmm. Where you are now and where you want to be. I almost screwed that Mm -hmm. up. Sorry about that. Yeah, can you respond to that? Like, how would you respond to that yourself, you know, reflecting on where you've been, where you are, and where you want to be. Yeah, where I've been, and I'm thinking about just the social work journey, and kind of thinking about even before Boston College of how I showed up in my own life as kind of a social worker, an unofficial social worker, I'll say. Oh, no, we were all official before we got the degree. (laughs) Yeah, that's real. Thank you. That's real. Yeah, I mean, sitting in classrooms in Boston College, you know, meeting the other three guys from Melanated Social Work and the other phenomenal, you know, black and brown folks that I met through uh, the Graduate Students of Color Association, not knowing what to do as a therapist, you know, with my middle school student. I tried to do like three interventions in one session, you know, when I first started. (laughs) I'm like, cool, we did that, we did that, we did that, great. All right, what's next? You know, so like I was I was very much like focused on hitting the boxes rather than like connecting with the client, right? And also being terrified of <laughs> being terrified. I'm like, I'm about to mess somebody's life up. How did they let me get, have this job? How, how did they let me? Yeah, so just thinking back about how, man, I would even say lost. <laughs> like lost, but also kind of faking it until I made it back then. But still with the this will to help. And this will to, to just like assist clients or, or system, not, not like system systems, but mm-hmm. schools or organizations in whatever way that I could. When I think about now, it's still, you know, mind boggling to me that I've done some of these things that I've done. And when I was sitting in grad school, I never thought that I'd be a guest on anyone's podcast <laughs> for that matter, that no one would be listening to me. I just, you know, do my job and get my paycheck and go home and, and hopefully like take a vacation every now and again. And so, you know, to think that I did a TEDx talk, to think that uh, I was featured as a cycle breaker for Oprah's Color of Care documentary, just that I just did a keynote and I'm doing more. Like, it's just every, every time I think that like I talk to people are listening to it, it's, it's just, that's never going to get old. I'm always going to be weird to me, um, but I'm incredibly grateful for it. And, and just thinking about community. And how community has really, really helped me develop into the person that I am, into the person, into the clinician, into, you know, the, the, the man that I am, how, how, how so many queer folks and how many black women 
were really my support. Were really, really my support. And I think presently I'm just like, what next? You know, what like what more can I do? I have a lot of a couple new projects uh, in the works, so I'm excited about those. And so that's what's happening present. Future, I don't want to work. That's that's the easiest one. I don't want to work. <laughs> easiest one. No working. That, Bills paid, that, passive income, no work. Okay, that's clear. So yeah. another one of your posts said imposter syndrome or internalized racism. I want to mm-hmm. tweak that a little bit because mm-hmm. my perspective, and I'm, I'm an elder, so I have a different lens, but my perspective is that white bodies internalize racism. We internalize the impact of racism, which is mm-hmm. internalized oppression and racial trauma. Yeah. Right. So if we look at it through that lens, you know, I just want to, I think it depends on what body you're in as to whether or not it's internalized racism or it's racial trauma. And yeah. so well, does that make well, sense? It wasn't internalized white supremacy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. You're I mean, right. similar, similar, like, yeah, no, similar abs- still following, but like. Absolutely. And I guess that when I think of internalized white supremacy, I think of it in two different bodies, right? Brown and black bodies is a racial trauma slash internalized oppression. White bodies is more internalized racism, you know, your, your lineage to, to enslavement. Um, Mm -hmm. And then which is imposter syndrome or is it a combination, you know, cause that would make sense as well. Well, I think, you know, folks with white bodies also have, like can have some right marginalized identities, right? So white women, are still women, right? Queer white men are still queer, right? And so there are certain spaces that you don't, you still don't see women and you still don't see queer folks. In. And so having someone that's a white person, you said white body. And so I feel like I need to say white, but I'm going to say white people. Go for it. Uh, having, no, well, you no know, white, here. white women in these, you know, high positions can still, you know, bring up some imposter syndrome. So I don't, I'm not going to deny that. However, I think it's incredibly different when we're talking about, you know, you know, a friend of mine as a, as a queer black woman and a cisgender heterosexual white woman. Like that's a, that's an, in, I, I think the intensity of uh, imposter syndrome or how we limit ourselves is, is much, much different because of that intersectionality. Yeah, that's so well said. And I appreciate the clarity around both how I misquoted you, but also about how I don't want to, I, I say this frequently, I don't want to deny anybody their struggle. You know, this right. is this is not oppression Olympics. I'm not right. trying to marginalize people who have previously experienced being marginalized. And having mm-hmm. said that, you know, to echo what you said, I also want to acknowledge the distinct and extensive because yeah. the white-bodied person can walk through the world differently in a way that seems like more access to privilege, even when they do come from a marginalized community of sorts. It's right. not based on the color of their skin. I appreciate that distinction. So thank you for the clarity and the distinction. Yeah. I, you just said it and I, something came up in me. I really do not like that term oppression Olympics. Uh. <laughs> I really don't like it. And I, I know that like, like it's, 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 it's just a common term, but it's essentially saying that people should not talk about how their struggle is different than someone else's struggle. And so like, right. Which is this argument of BIPOC versus black. Yeah. Right. And so like to name that my ancestors didn't struggle like other folks' ancestors isn't oppression Olympics. It's the truth. 
Yeah, <laughs> you know, no, it's, it's name, our struggle is not the same. But I, and, and maybe a freshman Olympics is used in like different contexts. But when yeah. I hear it, it's just like. Well, I feel you. I feel you on that trigger. That that t- it, it, it depends on whose mouth it comes out of to be perfectly honest. True. That is that is very true. I gotta be honest. That's very true. Like That's you know, true. when I'm talking to white bodies, I don't call it master's program. <laughs> mm, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I went to graduate mm-hmm, school. Mm-hmm. It's just things yeah. like that. that <laughs> yeah, I language yeah. differently, so I think that's where I'm coming from, and I totally appreciate yeah, that gotcha. pushback. People need to hear another perspective always. Okay, so you go in on the political aspect of being a therapist, which I can't get yeah. enough of. Because therapy is not neutral and I'm sick of people acting like it is neutral. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, you ask, is it possible for a social worker to be a Republican? I just smiled when you said that. So say more about that. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, a little while ago, actually, back when that man was in the White House, you know, the man, 45. Talk about trauma. Yeah. I posted something that said, if you are a Trump supporter and a social worker, you're not really a social worker. Mm-hmm. One of my highest uh, liked and commented uh, <laughs> posts, by the way, it was it was baffling the number of people who were saying, oh, no, I support Trump. Yes, you can be a Trump supporter and a social worker. Like, yes, you. And I was just like, like, that's I expected the, the support. I did not expect so much pushback. And so then I'm thinking, oh, like if you're allowed, you're aligned with the values of this man He's blatantly racist, ableist, homophobic, transphobic. Like he's openly, openly. And you're like, oh, no, yeah, that's my guy. I mean, oh, talk about cognitive dissonance. And so, you know, another thing that I did in this keynote, I actually posted a post and I said to, to followers, what are some of the most problematic things that a therapist or a mental health professional has ever said or said to you? And had to be two over 260 comments Wow! around how just some people have said some horrific things, including for conversion therapy for queer folks, including suggesting an 11 year old go, go on the keto diet to improve her self-esteem. Right. So fat phobia is in there, including denying that someone needs therapy because evidence based practice says that they actually don't need it based on what's going on in their life. And I'm just like, whoa. (laughs) And so all of these things have to do with an individual's moral compass. And each of our moral compasses are going to be shaped by our environment, by our family, by our education, by our location, and by our politics. And so if you have governor in Florida saying, no critical race theory, no, no drag performances, uh, uh, trans people are criminalized. And you're like, oh yeah, I rock with that guy. And then you come in with and you have a client <laughs> who's queer, who's a person of color. What do you now say to them during the summer of rage when you have, uh, I'm forgetting which black I mean, was murdered don't, by don't, you don't even have to name names because it's constant. So you, George Floyd is, yeah, is, George is, Floyd. is you know, the, the, the big one I was thinking about. You have that happening and like there's civil unrest and you have a black male client and a white woman saying, well, but do you think the protests and them burning everything is, is appropriate, though? Aren't they just being a bit too sensitive? Right. That's 
therapist is doing harm. One, you're denying my experience. And two, you're gaslighting me as if I should not feel the way that I should feel based on your moral compass. Yeah. Right. And so that's why we really have to look at the backgrounds of therapists, because if there's a religious kind of, you know, kind of um, if it's a religious therapist, you got to figure out, OK, is this like a progressive religious therapist or is it someone who's going to say it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Eve? Yeah. You know what I mean? If it's if, if they're a white woman. Right. Like I always encourage folks who are seeking therapists to ask all of the questions. Ask all of the ask who you voted for in that 2020 election. Yeah. Ask what you think about the Black Lives Matter movement. Ask what you think about Palestine. Right. Like all of these things, because all of those things are going to inform me as a client if we're aligned. And if we're not aligned, then I don't want to work with you. So you said something. First, first of all, that was perfectly stated. Thank you so much. So clear. You said something about and I can appreciate this because I, I work from the same lens, like essentially I'm not for everyone. And yeah. I'm always so respectful of the people who choose to work with me because I am who I am in practice as authentic as who I am in humanity. And yeah, so who are, who, who are you not for? As a therapist or just yes. as a human? I'm not for people who are, are too serious. We are going to laugh in my sessions at, at some point. I'm not for someone who is Republican <laughs> or conservative. I mean, there are also Demo like Democratic folks who are, who are lean conservative, not for them either. Who am I not for? I'm not for folks that are, uh, are super strict in their problematic views. I am not for individuals who are not open to trying something and not open to being real about what, the, what their experience is. During my consultation calls, I tell people, you know, I challenge my clients. It's never in a way that's rude or disrespectful, but I'm going to challenge you. <laughs> because us, especially us, we're very good at making making things seem like they're not as bad as they are. Oh, wait, that's, we've been taught by white supremacy. Making every start to my session, I have them pull out the feelings wheel and say, how, and I ask them, how are you feeling? Because good isn't going to cut it. Don't oh, say, I they, love they it. know, don't say good because I'm going to look right back at you until, until I'm going to say, you want the wheel? <laughs> We're not going anywhere until you tell me a feeling, you know? And so I'm, I'm not for folks who don't want to be uncomfortable. You're going to be uncomfortable in all of the best ways because growth is uncomfortable. But you're going to be uncomfortable. It, it, it will you you will not <laughs> remain the same person even in one session with me when you start with me versus when you finish something. Something will will be a, like even if it's the tiniest, tiniest bit, something's going to be different. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. And I agree. Is it different for who you are not for in your personal life? Because that sounds pretty universal. OK. Okay, just just because no. you said personally or professionally, and I'm like, I don't see how that can change personally. So, I mean, I have some, and and, and I'm not going to say that all of my friends or all of the folks in my village are the same. I mean, I have one of my good friends is married to a cop, Oof. and so I gotta like either have conversations or don't have conversations. <laughs> <laughs> you better, um, you better than me. One of my one of my friends, you know, she used to say, you know, basically when these murders of unarmed black. We're starting. She was on the side of, well, you know, well, they shouldn't have broke the law. Oh. 
And so, like, we had to have conversations, but, like, she gets it. You know, and so it, I think for me, it's some people I've had to just let go. Yeah. Because we are not aligned. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. We were for each other during a certain time. And I'm, and I'm grateful for that time. But right now, the ways in which we're both growing, we're not growing. We're not aligned. And that's okay. I think for sure that has to do with an age group. You know, this more mm. progressive way of being able to be, you know, again, as an elder, like, I just don't have time for anybody who's not aligned. I don't. You can be over here, over there, yeah. outside of the view of the camera, but you yeah. can't be right here. <laughs> right. You know? That's so fair. I, I, oh, yeah. Everybody who's here. Oh, yeah. We're aligned. Yeah. Everybody yeah. who's here. Okay. Yeah, fair. For sure. Fair. For those other folks, this is like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I'm with you on that. You said my ancestors already paid for this school debt. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorites. Say that. Say that. I mean, in the, I think in the caption, I put like to, to demand money from black folks, indigenous folks for anything, really, let's be honest, for literally anything. I personally think it's criminal. You know, <laughs> the wealth, the power, the influence that so many white folks have was because of enslaved Africans. Like, I, imagine... <laughs> Imagine having a job, but having someone else do that job for you and you just do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> yeah. For decades. For centuries. Imagine. You just you just living pretty while someone else doing all the work. And you just keep amassing wealth continuously, generations. Because someone else is doing the work for you. And then you want to blame black and brown folks for not working hard enough now? You just had people doing your job for centuries. <laughs> make it make sense. So, and then for the Native, I mean, Native Americans, they just legitimately killed them, right? So like killed and, and stole their land, right? And so <laughs> this is reparations for me. I'll say it today. You know, I'm not going to say that publicly, but... Oh, you know, I wish you... My loan's, my loan's going to be there. I'm just going to say that. Oh, you know, I... You call not doing that. <laughs> it's... I just had a man, Chris Larson, on an IG Live to talk about reparations and, and the reparations task force that they have in California right now. And they're doing incredible work. And they're trying to calculate how much money each individual should get. <laughs> I heard roughly it's like $300,000... Uh, per person, I think that is a incredible under you know underestimate uh, underestimate of what we should get. But I'm not going. I mean, look, if you want to give me three hundred thousand dollars, I'm gonna take it. Don't get me wrong. But you know, I I think that you know we as a society can't even agree on the truth of the past of this country. Some people are trying to. Uh, Rechange the narrative of history. And so you rechange the narrative of history, then we all start on equal equal playing field. Yeah. So like, so why would anyone need reparations? Why do why would we owe anyone anything? Right? It is all intentional. And so that's why I go so hard. It's like you cannot even as and similarly why I started Black Social Work Week. Even as social workers, we as black therapists, as black helpers and healers, we do we do not navigate the world the same way as our white counterparts, as our Latinx counterparts. And so we really have to 
you know, there are certain things that we're owed. I'm going to just say that there are certain things that we're owed and they're not going to give it to us. And sometimes we just got to make it. You just got to either take it or make it work. I appreciate that. Can't add anything. All right. I want to get into your TED talk, but I have one more question before I do. I saw on your Insta that you are doing music. Well, first of all, Black Social Work Week. Where was I? I missed that altogether. So, <laughs> it's only it's only two years old. Okay. So next year, you know, it'll be. A thing. Okay. I'll be there next year in my year of hopeful retirement. Oh. <laughs> Be there. <laughs> yeah, someone retired. Uh, but the other thing that I saw was that you're hosting Music Therapy Monday. Talk about that. Yes, 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 yes. When Melanated Social Work was a thing, I was actually doing, oh, what was it called? Uh, Meta. <laughs> oh, my God, I forget the name of it. Mindfulness, Melanated Mindfulness Mondays. Okay. Oh, yeah. And so it was just a space where I would invite another therapist on. They would lead me and you know everyone else in something therapeutic and it was really great but i was doing it weekly and it was just it was a lot like navigating getting therapists navigating kind of the behind the scenes stuff and then actually doing the the, the live thing for nearly like 30 minutes but, but all of it was a lot of work and so i was thinking like i really i love music so just like music in general especially live music of almost any genre is like my happy place. Mm. And I, you know, am blessed to know a lot of really good singers. And I also know that there are a lot of singers out there that are still struggling from like the pandemic. Yeah. Right. Like they weren't able to perform in live shows and, you know, make music in the same way. Sure. And so, you know, I thought that it would be a good opportunity to have it as this therapeutic space, similar to like a tiny desk kind of thing, oh, where you yeah. just have 30, uh, an artist just has 30 minutes to just just go and so for them they get a platform and i i know my platform isn't the biggest platform but you know they get a platform where they can be seen and then we get to enjoy the music yeah. <laughs> we, we get to enjoy the therapy and also therapy is sorry it's therapeutic for the folks performing as well right so there's this kind of mutual give therapy receive therapy kind of thing going on that's the hope anyway yeah, so it, the first one was, was really great. One of my good friends, Renice, came and just like beautiful voice. And then the next one will be March 27th. And, um, and another woman uh, that I know, Anjani, she's going to she's gonna do real well. Yeah. That's amazing. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I appreciate when I saw that. It's like, oh, that that's so dope. That's So I wanted to make sure we mentioned it. Okay, the yeah, TED Talk. You. Let's get to it. So what... How did it how did it come about and why? Why was it important for you? Yeah, social media in this pandemic was a wild time. But it I think for me it opened up a lot of opportunity. I was very active and not only on, on Instagram but on Clubhouse. I don't know oh, yeah. if folks remember Clubhouse. Yeah. I think it's still a thing. Yeah, but it's still I'm a not thing. on it. <laughs> not not the thing um, it was, but a thing. Yeah. And so I was in a room. And I, there was a gentleman who was an ex NFL player on, on stage. And so I, anytime there's anyone that's like, either I want to connect with in the future, or I want them to like hear my voice for whatever reason, I'm going to find something to say. And so I got, you know, asked a question or said a comment or something like that and mentioned that I was working with athletes now half true. I wasn't, uh, I, at the time I wasn't so. The person that I was working with was a professional athlete, but he was transitioning into retirement. And I think I, I didn't lie, 
but <laughs> I think I led people to believe that I was currently working with oh, professional athletes. That's, Nonetheless. That's so perfect. You, you, you younger people, man, you are good. <laughs> you are good. <laughs> Listen, I like to use my words in certain ways. So, uh, so I ended up uh, uh, connecting with him, uh, Reggie uh, Walker, who actually has a, 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 a phenomenal story. Uh, we actually had him on the Melanated Social Work podcast as well. Really good episode. But connected with him, um, had him on the podcast, and he was just like, hey, you know, if you want to do a TED Talk, I can I can connect you to the guy that, you know, runs it. And I was like, yes, no idea what I was going to talk about. I was like, I, yes, TED Talk, sure. And so he connected me to the guy and met with him. He was like, well, we have one in Wilmington, Delaware. It was about a year from when the actual date was going to be. And I was just like, all right, you got a year. You know, when you have that much time, it's like, I got time. <laughs> and then it's, and then it, it goes down and down and you look up and it's six months and it's four months and it's just like oh shit that is next month isn't it and so i had no i, I know i wanted to talk about this you know the, the the topic that i that i chose i didn't know how i was just like there's so so many pieces to it like and it's only a i think the max is maybe 18 minutes for the talk and so there's like, how am I going to tell this story? How am I going to have this like in this, you know, time frame? Also, how am I going to remember all of this? Because for folks that know me, my memory is not the best. If my calendar didn't exist, I don't know what my life would be. But for all of these things were looming. So one random Sunday, Sunday is my self-care day. But I was just like, you know what? I have this energy in me. I have something in me that just is telling me to write. And so I just write. I just type for probably like an hour, maybe hour and a half. And I have this just narrative. And so I'm like, okay. So I typed that, it's maybe three months out. I typed that, did not look at it for another month because as I typed it, it was also like an outpour of all these things that like I've kind of held in or only talked about in therapy. And so I'm like, oh crap, it's two months away. I should probably look at this. I share it with a bunch of my friends. You know, a bunch of folks in my closest, closest community who really know me, who know the story, who know, like, who, you know, they, they know everything. And so I had them look at it, had them give me some pointers, maybe add some things, take some things out, all that stuff. So then I record it, you know, vocally. And so it comes in at maybe like 16 minutes. And I'm just like, perfect. And so that, so that was just happened organically. I, I don't know how, but like, ancestors, God, spirit, whatever you want to call it. I think, I think I had some help there. I had a bunch of friends and family come in, come to town to watch, which also provided an extra layer of like, yes, I love this, but also I'm also more terrified now because like <laughs> my mama's in the audience, like, you know, so I'm just like, oh, she's gonna hear everything. It was fantastic. I did the talk. Allegedly, I got a standing ovation. I was so emotional after that I just kind of like, went to that side room and had a had a good cry for a bit and just breathe breathed and we went off to some other to do a podcast right after but yeah it was so liberating it was so liberating it was so therapeutic it was so nice to be emotionally and physically held by my community after and then the rest of the weekend was great with those folks too yeah so it, it was it was a, it was a it was a phenomenal experience. I'm, I'm really glad that I did it, and I and, and it was so so the I, the part that I forget about is that like people are gonna listen to it, <laughs> and then people are gonna like 
see themselves or see their experience in my story. And so then I was getting messages and comments saying like, I was diagnosed, you know, during this time or, you know, I have the same, are currently having the same experience of like trying to figure out who I am in this super homophobic environment or just, you know, all of these stories you know, of, of like how my story really just helped their process or just at the end of the day, help them feel seen. Congratulations again. I mean, it's, I'm just so, I'm so happy for you. I really am so happy for you. And I'm, and I'm happy for everyone who's going to listen to it because it's going to be something that needs to be heard and seen. So I'm going to leave it at that and let people experience it for themselves. As we're wrapping up, a couple more questions. One is where can everyone find you and give, just lay it all out every platform right here. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I live in Philadelphia currently. So on, I have LinkedIn is, is my name, Marvin Tolliver. I'm on Twitter at mtolliver underscore LCSW. I'm not really on Twitter like that, though, to be honest. And then Instagram, obviously, uh, I'm, I'm at mtolliver underscore LCSW. I also have a website, which is marvintolliver.com. Yeah, so, so definitely uh, tap in if you want to know more, if you want to learn more, if you want to work with me, all them things. So you're taking new clients? I... Maybe. <laughs> so here, here's, I mean, and quickly, I'm, I'm moving kind of more from an individual therapy kind of mindset to more of like training, facilitation, mm -hmm. consultation, groups. I love groups. And so, well, yes, I have space for new clients, but we'll see. Okay. Yeah, just leave, leave it we'll open. See. Leave it open. Yeah. You, know, you can take five <laughs> people and turn it into a group. <laughs> That is true. You know, I think you should emphasize the link tree because everything's connected to that. Right? Oh, yeah. So so say the link tree again, because that's 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 the best link. Well, the so the link tree is, you know, on, on Instagram, when you look at the bio and then there's the little link tree link. And so that link connects to the Smithsonian YouTube link. It connects to the TEDx talk. It connects to... The website. I do have merch. I have new merch coming out soon. It also connects to if you want to donate. You know, I, I do a lot of labor on social media and a lot of people say that they learn a lot, that they get a lot from it. And so you get a lot from it. Go ahead and give me some money for it. <laughs> if, you get, if you get, give. I mean, and essentially I'm probably going to donate it to something else anyway. Yeah. So well, that's what I we mean, do. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. That's how we move through the world. Okay. Final question. In one of your posts, you clown theory. You said something to the effect of theory versus clients truly feeling heard is essentially problematic. I'm going to give you the final word on that before we end. I think that a lot of the time in mental health care, we lean too much on theory. We lean too much on the DSM. We lean too much on this evidence-based practice. In my experience with kids, with adults, it's really about that connection with the client. It's really about them being able to trust you and being able to feel safe with us to open up about all the deepest, darkest things that they, you know, typically hold on to. And so theory doesn't teach us how to hold space. Theory doesn't teach us how to be relational. Right. Theory doesn't teach us what do you say to your client after they've experienced grief and now you're in a session and now what? Right. Theory doesn't teach you that level of how to connect and just being in space and just having almost like, and it sounds kind of cheesy, but almost like spirits aligning almost. 
right? There's no theory that can really teach you that. I appreciate that. I do want to just want to offer one little sort of adjustment there, which is not everybody can hold everybody safe. Very true. Okay. Because I don't want clinicians thinking, oh, if I just desire to create safety for people, poof, it happens. No, that's, that's, not, that's not what you're saying. I want to clarify. Not at all. It's not a correction. It's all. clarification. That is not what you're saying. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Marvin A. Tolliver, thank you so much for your time sharing two episodes with me. You're truly a fascinating human being. I appreciate the work you're doing. I appreciate you in the community. And I appreciate you as kinfolk. I mean, I, I really see you and I want you to know that what you do is valued. And, you know, my seeking retirement feels slightly comforted in knowing that the legacy leaves on with people like yourself. So thank mm. you. Thank you so much. Too. Thank you. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that from the heart. That. Yeah, stay connected. All right. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. <laughs> okay, take care. You too. Bye. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And also, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Thank you for listening to Change the Narrative with J.D. Fuller. 